Come on, if you're excited to be in the building, you better open up your mouth and say so. Well, y'all can do better than that. Come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? <laughs> what a day to be alive. What a time to be called a child of God in the earth. My name is Curvin, and I am beyond thrilled to be with you today, bringing the word as our senior pastors, Pastor Johnson and Pastor Summer, are on a much-needed sabbatical. Uh, they may be watching online. If they are, can we just make some noise to say hello? Good to see you. Hope you're resting. And also joining us, we have Victory family all the way in Korea, Jamaica, and Vietnam. Come on. Can we welcome our global family? So glad you're here. And since February, we've been walking line upon line through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the amazing manifesto of Jesus to the masses that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And for the past few weeks, we've actually been in a series with with in that context, titled, When You Pray. And we've taken some time to park right there as we've, been, as, as we've been unpacking the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus not only taught his disciples uh, to pray, but where he also instructed them on how to pray. How many of you know there's a right way and a wrong way to pray? So let's just go ahead and jump right in. In fact, why don't we pray this prayer together? It goes like this in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Now, depending on the translation that you read growing up or depending on maybe the denomination of church that you attended growing up, uh, verse 12 may have sounded a little different for you. Some translations say, forgive us our debts. There's some translations that say, forgive us our trespasses. Some say, forgive us our sin. But what I found is that regardless of the translation that you are used to reading, whether it's the NIV or the KJV or the CDC. <laughs> Y'all know ain't no CDC. I'm making sure you're awake. <laughs> but regardless of what translation you're used to reading, can I tell you today that there are four words sequentially that do not change. They're, they're the same in every translation, and it's these four words. Forgive as we forgive. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful today to know that I've been forgiven of my trespasses. Come on, I'm thankful that my sin has been cast into the depths of the sea and that I have a clean, bright future ahead of me. But I've come here today to remind someone in this room that forgiveness is very unique because you, forgiveness, it's, it's a hinge on a door that swings both ways. See, Jesus instructs us to pray, Father God, forgive us as we forgive others. Can I tell you, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but let me call a few of y'all out real quick, all right? Can we do that? <laughs> let me just say this. By a show of hands, is there anyone in this place uh, who would be honest enough to say that at some point in time, or maybe online, if you'd be honest enough to say that at some point in your life, you have been offended by something someone has said or done. By a show of hands, put your hands up real quick online. All right, I want y'all to look around. If you ain't got your hand up, come see me after church so I can lay hands on you <laughs> for lying in the house of the Lord. All right, hey, all right, let's take it a step further. I wonder if there's some honest saints in the building today. How many of you would say by a show of hands or maybe online, put it in the chat, you would say, bruh, I've been offended already this morning. Come on, someone has offended me this morning. I got two honest saints in here. Thank you, Robin. I'll see you, sis. Thank you. Thank God for the honest saints. Can I tell you something? One thing I've come to know and the little time I've had on this earth is that offense is inevitable. 
The spirit of offense, come on, it is an equal opportunity beast. Around every corner, we live in a society and in an hour where offense is everywhere. It's at work. There's opportunity for offense in the grocery store, on I-85 northbound, right there by that Pleasant Hill exit. My God. Woo! Well, y'all be testing my Christianity right there. Listen, there's opportunities for offense on social media, at home in your marriage, and don't even get me started on this new breed of Google-informed Gen Z children. They built different, y'all. These kids are built different. I'm telling you, because they will tell you something about yourself, and as a parent, your first instinct is to rebuke them or to get upset until you realize that what they said was 100% accurate. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Dennis, you said you can't discipline out of a child what's still in you, right? Come on, I had one of my babies in the car the other week, and I'm driving right there on I-85. Someone cuts in front of me. I said, this idiot. They said, they're in the back seat, daddy. <laughs> Didn't you just preach at the church about loving your enemies? <laughs> I'm disappointed, daddy. <laughs> Y'all, I had to go home and whoop myself. <laughs> like, I had to get myself a whooping, y'all. Look at me, church. Offense is inevitable. I remember two and a half years ago, the greatest moment in my adult life, apart from coming to know Jesus, it was the moment when my wife and I accepted the position to come on staff at Victory Church. Two and a half years ago, y'all. Two and a half years ago. Such an amazing season, and I'll never forget uh, we were immediately put through a pastoral leadership course. So, you, you know, it would, it's great for you to know and be aware that any pastor that joins the staff, that joins this team to help in the leadership and governance of this house, we go through this course to make sure that our theology is on point. Come on, somebody. To make sure that our doctrine is sound and that we're in alignment with the house. And it was incredible. I love this course. There were books we read. Come on, we read the 10 qualities by our founding pastor, Pastor Dennis. Come on, somebody. We learn about receiving healing uh, from Pastor Colleen as well. And I remember uh, sitting in these courses, just learning so much and, 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 and growing so much in my faith. And there was one course that was taught by Pastor Johnson. And I'll never forget this one in particular. I sat down. And I'm watching, and he says these words. He says, I'm going to tell you the secret, the one thing that will make all the difference in how long you last as a pastor. And immediately, the drum roll started playing in my head, and he makes this statement. He says, if you can make it through a fence in ministry, then you'll last in ministry. Come on, somebody. Hey, can I take it a step further? If you can make it through a fence in life, then you will make it in life. And the reality is this. There are many pastors, there are many leaders in the church that get taken out because they can't bear the weight of the constant onslaught of offense that they face on a daily basis. And can I tell y'all, I've been doing ministry, my wife and I, for right at 19 years. And let me just tell you, I've had my fair share of offense in the world of ministry. Uh, I'll never forget a few years back, I got invited to do a youth conference in northern Alabama. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a youth conference. The youth pastor called, invited me. I said, I'll be there. Um, a couple days before I get there, he called, calls me back and he informs me, hey, pastor, I just need to make sure that you're aware uh, that we have a little situation at our church which is trying to work through um, we recently hired our very first African-American pastor on staff, and there's just been a little tension. Just want to give you the heads up. All right, see you next week. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so I show up for the conference. I preach that night. I'm attending the next night. A good friend of mine, Reggie Dabbs, was the other guest communicator. And I was supposed to preach the next morning. But when the pastor discovered the color of my skin, canceled on me the night before and sent me home. So we get in our car, we're driving, we park, get out, take my Jordans off, 
dust them off, get back in the car, and I keep moving. <laughs> Can I tell you? I've felt some offense in ministry. Come on. I've had parents cuss me out in between certain, not here at Victory, though. No, you would never. You would never. Not at Victory. No, 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 no. Come on. I've been verbally assaulted in the middle of ministering the gospel by another guest pastor. Can I tell you that, 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 and, 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 and you may be here today. And maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you're just here trying to figure this thing out. And maybe some of what I'm telling you is surprising. Well, allow me to go ahead and burst your bubble and let you know something. There is no such thing as a perfect church. As long as the church is made up of imperfect people. But I told a brother the other week, even if there was a perfect church, the moment your bucket head walked up in there, <laughs> you're going to mess up everything. <laughs> There is no perfect church. And the opportunity to be offended also resides in the church. And especially if it's Victory Church. And let me tell you why. There ain't no way you're going to get this many nationalities, <laughs> this many cultures. Y'all better talk to me this morning. You ain't going to get this many flavors. It's like Baskin Robbins in here. You're not going to get this many generations, cultures, and nationalities in one place where some of us show up on time, some of us show up <laughs> when we show up, <laughs> right? No, it's not going to you, you cannot step into a house with this much diversity, and, and, and you never know what you're going to get. I mean, the person sitting beside you, man, they could be straight out of their prayer closet, or they could be straight out of Compton. I mean, you don't know. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Offense is real, y'all. It's inevitable. There are some of us here today that we've been marked by offense in a major way. Maybe God didn't show up the way you thought he should have. And today you're offended at God. Or maybe your father wasn't there in your life, whether physically or emotionally. It may be something that a loved one said. It may be something that a spouse did not say. It could be a coworker. It could be a boss. Come on, the offense could be paramount or it could be petty. But regardless of the situation or circumstance, listen to me, church, offense is real. Offense is inevitable, and if left unchecked, offense will destroy you. And I believe that's why God gave us. I believe that's why Jesus taught us this prayer, because he knew that this prayer had the power and the insight to save your life. In fact, you may or may not know this, but the word offense in its original Greek language, it comes from the word scandalon. Scandalon means the trigger of the trap. Can I talk to you today, church? How many of you know that we have a real enemy out there? Come on, we're full of faith, full of purpose, placed in the earth for something great, but we can never lose sight of the fact that there's also an enemy that wants to destroy us. The Bible says he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And can I tell you today that he is actively setting traps to get you caught up? Come on, that trap, the jaws of it are, are open wide. The teeth of that trap are razor sharp. And the bait that is placed right on that pressure plate is a fence. And when a fence, when we see it, the moment we grab it, bam, just like that, the trap closes in. So today, I want to give you some foundational truth before we take one more step into this conversation. Because you and I need to know this. If we're going to even talk about forgiving those who trespassed against us, we got to first know this. That offense is not just a human emotion. Offense is a premeditated attack from the enemy himself. Come on, baby. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle. An offense, if it's left unchecked, it'll ruin your life. Let me tell you what offense will do to you. Offense will leave you stuck. Offense will leave you stuck. You show me someone who's not moving forward in life, and I will show you somebody who's probably holding on to some type of offense. 
Because whenever we choose not to forgive, I don't know why. I don't know why we think this. But whenever we choose not to forgive, I'm just going to cut them off. It gives us some sense, this false sense of power. As if holding on to that offense or as if cutting that person off is going to give us the upper hand. But can I tell you, the reality is that unforgiveness is like choosing to serve the prison sentence for the crime that someone else committed against you. And we hold on to that moment, right? Well, they didn't repent. They didn't say they were sorry. They hurt me and didn't even try to make it right. Well, maybe so. But here's what I know, church. I know that if we're not careful, it'll be 5, 10, 15 30 years later, and we will still be there thinking about what happened, meditating on what happened, replaying what happened, still stuck back there. You know, in our forward classes, which we, which we in, uh, encourage every, we want to see everyone in victory go through forward, not just our family, but staff, pastors, all of us, we, we need to go through forward. And some of, I love the language that we use in forward. We say this, that listen, you cannot move forward when you are still chained to yesterday. And how many of you know that God wants you unstuck? Amen. Come on, offense will leave you stuck. Number two, offense will leave you sick. Offense will leave you sick. You show me someone that, that, that is uh, sick in their body and that's praying and believing God for healing, but also is the type of person that harbors offense. Can I tell you something? That recent studies have discovered that certain illnesses are linked to unforgiveness. Did you know that? Certain cancers, arthritis, depression, tumors, migraines, there's more. But here's what we find in the Word of God. Proverbs 14.30 says it very clear. It says, a sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. I mean, imagine that. Science supporting what the Word of God already said. <laughs> imagine that. But seriously, bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, those deep-rooted wounds that we've, we've just left to fester, they will eat you alive. And again, every single weekend across the globe, there are people who are raising one hand for healing while holding on to unforgiveness in the other hand. And for some of us, we wonder why we're not seeing the healing in our body. Maybe it's because we're keeping the poison of unforgiveness in our hearts. See, I believe wholeheartedly that for some of us, and again, this doesn't apply to everyone, but I'm saying to you today, I believe that for some of us today, the healing that you're believing God for, it may not be found in the next pill you take, but baby, it may be found in the next prayer you make. We got to let go. We've got to forgive because God wants you to be healed. Let me tell you what offense will do. Offense will also leave you separated. Offense will leave you separated. Come on. If you're the type of person, whether knowingly or unknowingly, is always sowing offense, or if you're easily offended, can I tell you, you're going to have a hard time maintaining healthy relationships because if left unchecked this type of unforgiveness and bitterness that spirit of offense it will build barriers in your relational life because watch how it works let me tell you it's, it's, it's like a whole process it's, it's a process here's how offense works someone offends me what's the first thing I do I curse it I say to myself can you believe what that fool did <laughs> Pastor Dennis they got me messed up can you believe what they said about me? We begin processing all this internally. Come on, we, we, we bring Jesus into the conversation. Jesus, you better fix it. Because <laughs> I ain't been saved that long, sir. <laughs> I'm holy, but I'm still a little hood. <laughs> right? We curse it. Then after we curse it, what do we do? Then we nurse it. We take that offense. We let it crawl up in our lap. We feed it. We care for it. We let that offense know that, baby, you're justified. You belong here in my life. And then we do the absolute worst thing we could ever do. We go to sleep before resolving the offense. And then we wake up angrier 
than we were yesterday. I mean, how you gonna wake up in the morning angry at Captain Crunch? Like, are you mad at the bacon? What, you mad at breakfast time? Right? We curse it, and then we nurse it. No, here's where we cross the line. Then we begin to rehearse it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We, we rewind the offense. We put that thing in slow motion. We zoom in on the offense. We pause it in the moments where they hurt us the most. Come on, somebody. We will pause that thing. We'll zoom in. We'll edit the footage to make sure that we look like the bigger and better person. Can I tell you, here's where you know you don't cross the line and you're just being petty at this point. Not only do we rewind the footage and watch it and replay it, but whenever you start beginning to write out the sequel to the story that never even happened, when you begin telling yourself what you will say or what you will do, if they ever, if they, if they ever try that foolishness again, Come on, somebody. Some of y'all got a whole cinematic universe <laughs> of confrontational scenes that ain't even happened. And you just in the back, take my weave out, take these earrings off. I'm ready for it to pop off. Some of y'all would win an Oscar the way you've been rehearsing that confrontation. Come on, can I get one honest soul in this place to say, I've been there, I've done it. Lord, if they ever try that again, you have to get me, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, we, we rehearse it. And then after that, we verse it. We put language to it. It leaks out. It goes from just being in our heart to being a fence that we put in the earth. We begin to tell other people about it. We sow strife. We gossip. Sometimes it's subtle gossip. It's like, I'm just asking for help from a friend. What would you do in this situation? <laughs> Other times, we're just cutthroat. And we're on a mission to assassinate this person's character in the eyes of others. Or then, here's my personal favorite. All, all, all the spiritual saints, you already know, it's not gossip, baby. It's just a prayer request. <laughs> yeah, well, I need y'all to pray for Jamal. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's back out there again with that girl. You know, Becky with the good hair. <laughs> yeah. You know she belongs to the streets, don't you? <laughs> right? And we begin assassinating people's character. And after we've cursed it, after we've nursed it, after we've rehearsed it and versed it, then we burst it. You've replayed that thing over and over again so many times. You've talked about it so much. You've dwelt on it so much that now you have convinced yourself that this is just a horrible human being. And now every time you see them, every small thing, every, it can be the most insignificant thing that just frustrates you. You ever been there? It's because you've been sowing so much suspicion instead of trust then now the smallest little thing, it can be something that's not even offensive, but you're just, oh, you're just immediately triggered and offended. And here's what happens. Somewhere along the line, that hurt that you once felt has now turned into hate. And the relationship in that moment blows up and it dies. And then watch me. And then we take this cycle and we repeat it in the next relationship and in the next interaction. Come on. And we find that we will be walking around bleeding all over people that didn't even cut us. And the cycle continues. And ooh, every single time we step into another moment, guess what? Our hearts are even harder than it was before. So how do we deal with this offense? Well, church, I'm so glad you asked. Because the answer is simple, but the answer is not easy. We deal with offense through forgiveness. So let's unpack that for the next few moments. Y'all with me this morning? I want us to look at the very, the, the very next verse 
following the Lord's prayer. So Jesus teaches this beautiful prayer. And then the very next verse, it's like he circles back. He spins the block and he doubles down on this issue of offense and forgiveness. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 14. So he says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, then your father will not forgive your offenses. Did y'all hear that? I mean, we need to pause and let that resonate for just a moment. Because this word, this statement from Jesus is sobering and it's vital. But I want us to be clear today about what we're saying whenever we pray this courageous and introspective prayer. You see, first, we're asking God, walk with me now, we're saying, God, would you forgive us of our debt? And the Greek word for debt, as it's used here, is ophaleme. Ophaleme. I think that's how you pronounce it. We're going to go with that. <laughs> All right? I'm not well-versed in Greek. But what this word means is what is owed. And this word is also used interchangeably with harmatias, which also, which, which means falling short. Now watch me. The bad news as it pertains to you and I, as a broken, fallen world, is that the Bible tells us that we have this sin dilemma that's an issue. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we're told that everyone has sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yet God, somebody say, yet God. But I thank God for the yet gods and the but gods in the scripture. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. Come on, somebody. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So watch me. Whenever we pray, God forgive us of our trespasses. It's not a prayer for salvation. Do you hear me, church? That's not a prayer for salvation. Because the reality is that as sons and daughters of God, listen, you can respond to the gospel today. You can be made righteous in Jesus today. But guess what? Offense is still going to come. You're going to have to wake up every morning and choose forgiveness from this day until you're with Jesus in eternity. So that's what Jesus is talking about here. This isn't a prayer for salvation, but rather it's a petition for forgiveness and the moments when we choose not to walk in total obedience to the mandate that God has given us to be a people of forgiveness. Amen? So for the next few moments, I want to give you three keys to living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Come on, if you're ready, say, let's go. Here it is. How do I live a lifestyle? Because it's more than just a choice. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Here are the three keys to living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Number one, you got to confess your offense. I got to confess my offense. Can I tell you, if there's anyone in the Bible that I identify with in a major way, it's King David. I mean, I love King David. You want to know why I love David? Because David was a man who, he had been through some stuff, y'all. David was a man who had been through some stuff. He was overlooked and passed over by his own father. He had one of his soldiers murdered so that way he could sleep with the soldier's wife. It's like a sick soap opera or something, right? And then sadly, the baby that was born out of that adulterous affair passed away. So now David knew the pain of losing a child. He battled with depression. Later on in his life, he was betrayed not only by his most trusted advisor, but also by his very own son, Absalom. When you want to talk about offense, this brother committed some major offense towards people and on more than one occasion was also the recipient of some brutal offenses himself. You see, David was a man of many sorrows, a lot like the word of God described Jesus. He's a man that, 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 that knew mountaintops, but also knew valleys. And yet, the prophet Samuel called David a man 
after God's own heart. Hmm. I mean, the question really is, how in the world could a narcissistic, emotionally unstable, adulterous murderer still be considered a man after God's heart? I mean, that's the question we have to ask, right? How in the world could a man so broken, who made so many mistakes, who missed the mark, who, was, who, who dealt with depression and abandonment and all these issues, still be considered to be a man after God's own heart? Well, I think we can find the answer in a song that he wrote in Psalm 51. Look at this, verses 1 through 4. I won't even read the whole chapter. I wanted to read the whole chapter. Go home. That's your homework. Psalm chapter 51. It's a beautiful song that David wrote about being broken and contrite before a holy God. David said this, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt and purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And you will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. Do y'all hear that, church? Look at me. David was fully reliant upon God's mercy, but he was equally aware of his own humanity. Lord, help me to preach this word today. You see, a common misconception, hear me, church, a common misconception for many believers is this idea that the longer we walk with Jesus or the more influential we become as ministers, as pastors, as leaders, the less we need accountability. We think the longer we've been on this journey, the less we need correction. We somehow believe that as we walk with Jesus a long time, that we become better at being holy. And can I tell you something? That's often the reason why we see great men of God with large ministries and international global influence fall into moral sin. Can I tell you something? It wasn't just the text message that that did him in. It wasn't just showing up for that sexual encounter that, 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 that sealed the deal. You see, no, what happens is that we as a people, I'm speaking to leaders primarily right now, but all of us can, can glean from this thought. You see, what happens is that we reach this point, sadly, where we begin marveling over the little sandcastle kingdoms that we've built. Where we used to live in circles of accountability, we now surround ourselves with an entourage of a bunch of yes men. And because the gospel's being preached and because people are being saved, watch me, we mistake God's blessing over the ministry with his approval of our heart. But can I tell you today, church, the truth of the matter is, 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 is this reality that as the longer I walk with God and the more that I begin to know his heart and I begin to discover his character, I don't get better at being holy. The longer I walk, walk, walk with God, I become more aware of my depravity. I become more undone in the light of his holiness. Come on, church. As my wife and I lead in this new capacity, overseeing this campus, can I tell you, I need accountability, correction, and the Spirit of God now more than ever before. You show me a faithful and mature disciple of Jesus, and I will show you someone who is fully aware of the cracks and crevices in their soul. Look at what David said. David said, he said, I recognize my rebellion. I see it. It's clear as day. And he said to God, you will be proved right in what you say. Your judgment against me is just. Come on, but aren't you thankful today, church? That as children of God, bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, come on, that whenever judgment says yes, the mercy of God says no. Aren't you thankful today that whenever we come to God confessing this great debt that we have, that he is faithful and just 
to forgive us. There's another story that Jesus tells about this man who was indebted to the king. He owed the king 100, I'm sorry, 10,000 bags of gold. 10,000 bags of gold. Theologians believe today that that was just um, uh, kind of a way of saying that he was bankrupt. He won't broke, he was bankrupt. But he goes to the king and he cries out for mercy and the king pardons this man and he sets him free. Can I tell you, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Whenever we pray, God, forgive us our debt What we're really saying is, Lord, I declare spiritual bankruptcy right now. There's no way I can pay you back for all you've done for me. I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. Lord, I need you to take care of this debt. And the Bible says that whenever we declare spiritual bankruptcy to God, that he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, can you imagine tomorrow if you got a phone call first thing in the morning and all of your financial debt was forgiven? Come on, if every creditor stopped blowing your phone up, come on, if every credit card was paid off, I'm talking your mortgage, your student loans, oh Jesus, would you do it, Lord? (laughs) Come on. May you be running Jericho laps around this church. Right? Well, can I tell you that that's what happened in your soul because of Jesus. And because of his truth. Hear me, because here's the truth. That you and I owe a debt that we could never pay. We owe a debt that we could never pay. But the good news is that Jesus paid it all. And when we confess our sins, watch me, we walk away clean. We walk away pure. And we walk away righteous. The first step is this. We got to confess our offense. Number two, we also, if we're going to live a life, a lifestyle of forgiveness, we then have to release their offense. We've got to let go. Matthew 6, 12. God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. First, we need to really make sure we understand what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denial. It's not minimizing the impact of that offense. Forgiveness is also not suppression. It's not hiding under the covers like a child, pretending like it didn't happen or just burying the pain. Forgiveness is not dismissive. It doesn't justify or make excuses For the offense. Come on, I'm trying to give someone some freedom today. Forgiveness is not even trusting. Can I tell you, this doesn't mean that if I forgive someone that offended me, that doesn't mean the very next day I'm just giving you my whole heart full of trust. Forgiveness is not even reconciliation. Now hear me, as believers, man, we should desire that as it pertains to us and the unique set of circumstances, but can I tell you, that's a completely separate process. Forgiveness is also, it's it's, it's not forgetting. Can I tell you, the Bible says that God remembers our sin no more, but I ain't him. (laughs) I remember, brother. (laughs) We're human. Forgiveness is not saying that you just forget what happened. And forgiveness is not impossible. It's really not. It's not impossible. No matter how bad someone may have hurt you, as a follower of Jesus, filled with the power of his spirit, listen to me, friend. It is possible to walk in forgiveness. Online, it is possible to walk in forgiveness. And if you would allow me, I want to take the next few moments and I want to shift our perspective just a little bit. Because this is the part in the message where it gets a little dicey. I mean, I don't know if you feel it, but in the room, even right now, you can just feel it. There's a tension. Because whenever we talk about releasing the offenses of others, this is the part where trauma is awakened. This is the part where memories come flooding in. 
where the walls go up. So rather than us focusing on the offender and the offense, let me propose to you a question. If God forgave you the same way that you forgive them, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? No, seriously, it's a question that's worth pondering. Because in the same story that Jesus tells about this man who owed the king 10,000 bags of gold, the story goes on to reveal that this same man who was just pardoned of this great unpayable debt then goes and tracks down another guy who owes him 100 silver coins. And he demands that he's paid in full, and he throws this guy in prison until the debt can be paid. Well, sure enough, it didn't go well for this guy. He was dragged right back into the presence of the king, and look at what the king says to him. In Matthew 18, verse 32, the king says, "'You wicked servant!' He calls them wicked. He says, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to do it. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just like I had on you? Church, that's why in prayer, I have to consistently remind myself. If you, if you hear anything today, hear this. I have to consistently remind myself that I didn't earn my forgiveness. I did it. I received my forgiveness. Come on, I want you to lean in and hear me today, church, because this is foundational. It's important because if you think, listen to me, church, if you think that somehow that you are earning God's forgiveness, then you're going to expect other people to earn your forgiveness. You see, if you have a problem with forgiving others, it's really because you have a problem receiving God's forgiveness yourself. And maybe we don't think that God really forgives us. Maybe for some sadistic reason in our mind, we feel like, 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 like we have to keep paying this penalty as if the blood of Jesus was not enough. And when you don't have an authentic revelation of grace, then mistakenly you will think that God is holding your, your, your sin over your head and in turn, you will do the same to others. Come on. That's why we say things like this. Hurt people hurt people. Because if you think they haven't earned your forgiveness, allow me to remind you today, church, that you have not, nor will you ever earn God's forgiveness either. Why? Because you can't earn that which is freely given. Look at me and hear me today, my friends. You will never walk in love and forgiveness apart from knowing that you are loved and forgiven. Your ability to forgive, your ability to love is always going to be linked to the revelation of how much you have been forgiven. And we have to remember that compared to what we've done against God, compared to our fallen, broken, sin-filled nature, Anything anyone could have ever done to us, it pales in comparison. So that's why in prayer, we got to lift our eyes to heaven and say, God, that person doesn't owe me that debt anymore. In the same way that you have forgiven me, even though I did nothing to earn that forgiveness, I forgive them and I don't require them to earn it. I release their offense. And by your grace, my heart is clean towards them. Come on, we're talking like mature Christian talk at Victory Church today. Because I love the quote from Louis B. Smeets. He said this. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free, only to discover that the prisoner was you. You got to confess your sin. You've got to confess your offense. You have to release their offense. And lastly, you have to resist future offense. So how do I do that, Pastor Kirby? How do I resist future offense? Easy. Don't go outside 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. (laughs) Church, come on. Listen, offense is inevitable. It's lurking around every corner. And we've got to safeguard our hearts, right? Because I assure you one thing. Some of you are going to find freedom in this place today. Some of you are going to forgive that person that you never thought you'd have the power to forgive in just a few moments. But guess what? You're going to find victory today, and you're going to have three offenses coming your way tomorrow. Do you believe that? I'm telling you. So let me give you just three really quick. I'm sorry, four. Let me give you four practical things you can do to safeguard your heart towards future offenses. If you're ready, say, come on. Here it is. First, you need to look in the mirror before you look out the window. Right? I've always, I've told our youth team and all of our leaders, I've said this for years. The average leader, when something goes wrong, when offense comes, they look out the window. Who to blame? But the exceptional leader doesn't go to the window. They go to the mirror. And as believers, we've got to go to the mirror before the window. So let me ask you a question. Are you easily offended? You may say, no, I'm not easily offended. There's just a lot of jerks in the world. That's all. (laughs) But let me say this to you. Sean has a problem with Cindy. And Sean also thinks that Tyree is a know-it-all. Sean also just told me and Candace yesterday that he thinks Sarah has an attitude problem. And he also said that he was taking a break from hanging out with Chris and M. If you're Sean... Chances are, you're the problem, brother. (laughs) Right? Come on, listen. If you are constantly, hear my heart, y'all. But if you are constantly getting in arguments, offending people, or having people offended at you, or if you just always find yourself frustrated with circumstances, situations, if you're always at work complaining about everything that's wrong, there is a chance that you might be carrying a spirit of offense. And usually, that spirit of offense is rooted in pride or it's rooted in insecurity. So you got to look in the mirror and you got to ask these questions. You know, in fact, I would encourage, here's your homework. I would encourage you, go to your friends, go to your coworkers, ask them the questions. Do I get offended easily? Am I abrasive in my interactions with people? Some of y'all are laughing, right? You're like, "Mm, I ain't doing that. (laughs) No, sir. No, ask them. Like, like, we got to get better, y'all. You can't defeat what you can't define, right? Ask your friends. Ask them, do I come across as prideful or arrogant? Hey, if you're really brave, I dare you to go ask these questions to someone that you don't really get along with. Because they're going to tell you the truth. And here's the thing about the spirit of offense, y'all. We got to get it off of us. Because here's here's the thing. The spirit of offense is kind of like body odor. Because everyone around you can smell it, except for the person who has it. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) Number two. Some of y'all are like, what? (laughs) Number two. I got to hurry, y'all. I got to hurry. You got to examine your expectations. If you're going to safeguard your heart, Towards future offense, you've got to examine your expectations. Here's what I mean by that. Because all offense, I don't care care who did what. If you boil it down, all offense can be traced back to unmet expectation. You expected something and you didn't get it. Now, here's the deal. It's real. Unmet. Sometimes our expectation is healthy. As a child, you should have an expectation for mom and dad to protect you, to love you, to affirm you, Right? But for some of us, have you ever considered that maybe your expectation is unrealistic? Maybe, you're un, maybe your expectation is unspoken. Nobody knows. Or here's the worst one. Maybe you have unknown expectation. You don't even know what you expect. Can I tell you, it is not fair to hold somebody to an expectation that you yourself have not even considered, communicated, or validated. So examine your expectations and communicate them clearly. And can I say, this is especially important for relationships that fall in the family and friend zone. Amen? Here it is. Number C. (laughs) Yeah. 
have courageous conversations. Come on, when you, when you feel offense rising up, don't immediately assume the worst. Come on, don't choose suspicion, sow the seed of trust. So rather than saying things like, man, they always, what would happen if our response was, you know what? Well, maybe, right? Let's sow trust. And then secondly, you gotta confront that individual quickly. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And here it is. Here's the last thought today. And here's a big one. Pastor Dennis and I were talking about it just a few moments ago. You have to choose forgiveness now. When you wake up in the morning, before you walk out of the door, you need to prepare for the day ahead. And as you prepare, you need to be praying. You should be praying, God, let your kingdom come in my character. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life. And the first fruit is love. So, Lord, give me your love today so I can walk in love towards everyone that I meet. Come on, some of you, you don't need to say it before you walk out the door. You need to say it as soon as you open your eyes. Because your husband's going to be right there looking at you crazy, about to say something crazy. Right? Offense is all around. I promise you, your wife is going to say something that's going to make you feel belittled. That man is going to say something that he shouldn't say. Your kids are just ready to give you that smoke. <laughs> I promise you, your coworker is at work right now doing jumping jacks and push-ups, waiting for you on Monday. Just <laughs> cracking their knuckles and everything. So we know offense is coming. So why would we not go ahead and prepare in the spirit, in prayer, knowing that you're stepping into a battlefield? You wouldn't step in a battlefield without armor. So why would we step into a world of offense without asking the spirit of God to fill us up fresh and anew to overflowing, giving us the wisdom and insight to lead and to love like Jesus? Don't wait until the moment comes to decide how you're going to respond. Decide and choose forgiveness today. So church, we got some work to do. There are some of you, there's, there's a phone call you need to make as soon as you walk out of this building. For some of you, mom and dad, they need to receive a text message. There's some of us, you need to call that friend. Some of you need to have a family meeting tonight. For some of us, listen to me, for some of us, there's no phone call to make. Forgiveness for you may just be a moment that you have with God. But whatever the case may be, forgiveness isn't saying that what they did was right. Forgiveness is simply cleaning my heart towards that person in the sight of a holy God who has forgiven me for so much. I love the words of Philip Yancey. He said that at last I understood in the final analysis of my study, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even, and I leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. That's God's job. Our job is to live at peace. Our job is to bless and not curse. Our job is to return good for evil. Our job is to love God and to love our neighbor. Church, our job is to confess our offense, release theirs, and resist the offense that's yet to come. Amen? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a moment, I want to lead us in a guided prayer for those of us who may be sitting here today and, and, and feeling like, man, there's, I got work I need to do. 
Just a moment, we're gonna do that. We're gonna forgive, we're gonna take that first step. But before we do, I wanna give an invitation to anyone in this room who may or may not have, or, or, or who may not have ever experienced the forgiveness that God has provided through his son Jesus. Can I tell you, the Bible says that there is a sin sickness inside of each of us. We're far from God. In fact, your very best behavior on your very best day in your own strength, it still falls short of the glory of God. We're offensive to a holy God. And that offense is punishable by, by death and eternal separation from God. But the Bible says that God so loved the world full of broken, lost, hurting people like you and like me that he sent his son Jesus. Jesus paid the price for your offense to be completely paid in full. And because of what Jesus did, you and I have the ability and the freedom to be transformed from an enemy of the cross, an enemy of God. In just an instant, we can be transformed into a son, a daughter of the king of all creation. My friend, there is no greater news. So if that's you today, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to make him not just savior of your life, but to make him Lord as well, that's you today. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, you're going to lift your hand. I believe right now that you feel the Spirit of God moving, even right now. There's a feeling in your chest. There's a feeling in your heart. Can I tell you? That's the Spirit of God saying to you, son, daughter, I love you. I've called you for something great. So today, if that's you, here it is. One, it doesn't matter who you're sitting beside. It doesn't matter who came here with you, who's looking at you. It's not about them. Today, it's between you and God. Two, you've tried it your own way. And every single time, it's like you're hitting a wall. Can I tell you today, there is rest for your soul. There is a life fully alive that God has put you in this earth to carry out. Will you choose grace? Will you say yes to his mercy today? Will you say yes to the grace of a good God, to a life fully alive? Here it is. You ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. Lift it up high enough and long enough for me to see it. I see those hands in the risers here in the front. I see those hands even online. Let us know. If that's you, I see that hand. And I want to lead you in a prayer in this entire family of believers. We're going to pray this prayer along with you. Come on, Victory. Let's help our new friends today. Say, God, it's me. You know who I am. I've made mistakes. I've broken your heart. But most importantly, I've broken your law. But I believe today that by the power of Jesus and the blood he shed, that I can be saved. So Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Heal my mind. And change me. I don't want to live the way that I used to live. I want to live for you. So this day, I believe by faith and according to your word that I am saved. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, that's a good place to shout unto the Lord today. Amen. Amen. So before you leave, I want to put something up on the screen, and I want us to pray this prayer together just for the next couple of minutes, and we're going to get out of here. Because for some of us today, we have some things to deal with. So I want to put this prayer up. You can screenshot it if you want. It's a prayer that you may pray right now, and you may need to pray it multiple times in the remainder of your journey with God. It's a forgiveness prayer for those who've offended you, who've hurt you. So I want us to pray this together. We can throw this up on the screen. It goes like this. Let's pray it together here today. God, I repent for withholding forgiveness and fill in the blank from this person. And today, I make a decision to forgive that person. Just say their name right there in your heart. Father, when they did this to me, this is how it made me feel.
Well, just tell them. But God, I no longer want to carry that wound. Today, I make a choice to give you the pain. I lay it at the foot of the cross and I hand that person, you know who they are, I hand them over to you. And you are the justice maker. Now here it is. And God, I pray your blessing upon that person. You know who they are. I pray that they will have an authentic, personal, and growing relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Bring healing to their heart, their mind, and their body. Surround them with your love and surround them with your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.